What is going on everyone? My name is Andy. Welcome back to another FPL video. In this one, it's the Game Week 6 preview, so I'm going to go through a bunch of your questions and give you my opinion. And at the end, I'm going to talk about when I'm thinking about wildcarding as well. So if you enjoyed the video, make sure to give it a like, hit that subscribe button if you haven't done so already, and make sure to check out Fancy Football Hub. All the links that you need to get signed up are in the description below. So let's start off by talking about Chelsea. Nice and simple question to start off. Are the Chelsea boys in a void or sell at this point? Now, in terms of buying them... I probably wouldn't go there. They've still got three decent fixtures left. So they've got Aston Villa at home, Fulham away, Burnley away. That's not too bad. After that, they've got Arsenal at home, Brentford at home, Spurs away, Man City at home, Newcastle away. So in terms of buying them, I just wouldn't go there. Not because I think all their options are suddenly awful, but the fixtures are about to run out. And obviously a lot of people have got question marks over their picks in general. So I would be avoiding them. If you already own them, then it's a slightly different question. And it's probably going to depend on which Chelsea player you're talking about. The four main ones, Augusto, Chilwell, Sterling and Jackson. So I'm going to go through them all individually. Just on Chelsea in general, because I know everyone loves an expected data conversation. They've actually done okay. And not just in the Luton game. So if we look at their expected goals per match, it's 1.4 against Liverpool. Obviously, that's always going to be a tough game. 2.5 against West Ham. That probably does include a penalty. 2.2 against Luton, 2.3 against Forest, and 1.8 against Bournemouth. Obviously, they got some problems actually putting the ball into the back of the net. But in terms of creating chances and stuff like that, they're doing okay. And in terms of the defence, it's actually been pretty good. It's one of the top defences so far this season. Against Liverpool, they conceded 1.3. West Ham, 1.8. That was probably their worst game. 0.4 against Luton, 0.8 against Forest, and 1 against Bournemouth. Now, I know what people are going to say. Most of those are easy fixtures, but that's kind of my point. They've still got easy fixtures to come, and if they're putting up good numbers already, you'd expect that to continue. So if their luck could change a little bit, you know, that Sterling free kick goes in instead of just being out, Jackson scores that goal against Forest, maybe it'll be a little bit different. But outside of the underlying stats conversation, the problem is they're not getting the results, and I do wonder whether that's playing on their minds. And also, Pochettino might just mess around with things a bit too much, and that does worry me a little bit about Chelsea players for the next three weeks. So then it just comes down to which ones you own. So if you've got Gusto, I think that's a pretty easy hold. Like, Reese James is unlikely to be back before the international break. I know Pochettino said he hoped he will be, but I don't think that's a guarantee. I would not be surprised if he's still out until after game week eight. Gusto is obviously a great price if you already own him. I know sometimes people will say, but what about in this specific scenario, should I sell him? Like if you really wanted a Newcastle defender and the only player you want to sell is Gusto, fair enough. But for most people, you can keep hold of him. I think his minutes are going to be good. The fixtures aren't bad and he's such a cheap price, I'd probably hold. Obviously, think about what you're going to do with him longer term. With Ben Chilwell, I really don't know if he's going to start and that is the problem here. Given that he's, I think he's vice captain, right? He's one of the more experienced players in that squad. If he's fit and available, I would find it surprising if he doesn't start against Aston Villa, either as left wing or left back. But that would mean that Pochettino would have to change that defense around because it has been consistent in every game so far. Carwell, Dezazi, Silva. And obviously on the right, you've got either James or Gusto. So there is obviously concerns about Chilwell. I'm, as we get closer to the deadline as a Chilwell owner... I'm getting closer to talking myself into keeping him because I just think there is, when he plays, quite a bit of upside. But if you're in any doubt, because they've only got three good fixtures left anyway, and if he misses one of those, it's going to be frustrating. I don't think there's any harm with selling him if you've got a spare transfer. That's obviously going to come down to what else you want to do in your squad. With Sterling, I think like Gusto, I think he's a pretty 
easy hold at the moment. Um, he's been a bit unfortunate, right? He set up that Jackson chance against Forrest. He took the free kick against Bournemouth. It was inches from going in. He has been a bit unlucky not to return over the last couple of games since his, obviously, mega haul against Luton. But ultimately, it would come down to who are you bringing in? So again, like of, of course, if Sterling is part of your way to get Salah, then maybe that's okay. But as a straight swap for players in and around that price, even a bit more expensive, I just don't really know who is or who there's a rush to go and get to this week. Like, if we look at the points projections on Fantasy Football Hub for all midfielders, let's just do next three game weeks, right? Because that's um, when Sterling's good fixtures run out. Like, Salah's ahead, fair enough. Son's ahead as well, but I think a lot of that is probably banking on him playing number nine and being on penalties. Ultimately, he's got Arsenal away this week. You're probably not going to sell Sterling. If you were going to do that, like I did, it was the move to do last week. Fernandes and Rashford because of their good fixtures, but I guarantee most people watching this are not in the mood to bring Man United players in, so fair enough. And obviously, they're more expensive as well. Madison is the same as Son. Obviously, got Arsenal away this week. I like Saka, but I assume that most people who want him already own him. And then you've got the likes of Eze, who isn't too bad. Fulham at home, Man United away, Forest at home. But is he... is is Eze against Fulham at home massively better than Sterling against Aston Villa at home? I'm just not sure he is. So Sterling's one of those that I would say is a luxury move, right? Similar to the move I made last week. Like, had I only had one free transfer or something else to do, there's no way I would have sold Sterling. I think that's the same case this week. If you've got nothing else to do and you just want to get rid of him, fair enough. But I think most people can keep. Then Jackson is the toughest one. He has had pretty good underlying numbers so far. His finishing does look a little bit suspect. That can happen to any striker, right? We've seen, what about Haaland against West Ham? He missed five big chances, right? Imagine if Jackson had done that, all the kind of conversation that would have gone around. And I know Haaland's obviously got loads of uh, goals and stuff like that. We're not worried about him. But I'm just saying, anyone can miss a chance. Um, but I get it, right? Again, if you've got a spare transfer and you want to get rid of him, I don't see an issue. The only thing I would say is, in FPL, and we're all guilty of this, we start talking ourselves into narratives like... At this point, the conversation around Jackson is though he's never, ever going to score again. Like, there's just no chance he gets points against Aston Villa. Whereas, realistically, there's an okay chance it happens. And he could easily walk away with six or seven points. But I think because people want to sell him, they're now making it out like he could never, ever return again. I just don't think that's the case. Like, if any player, even Jackson against uh, in Chelsea where obviously they're creating chances, Villa at home, Fulham away, Burnley away, if he walked, if he came away with two to three attacking returns in those games, would any be completely shocked? I wouldn't. I know some people would, right, because they think he's truly awful, but I don't think he's turned into absolute, uh, absolute must-sell at all costs. So again, if you've got other stuff to do, I think it's okay to keep Jackson. So if Pochettino said Chilwell's out... I'd probably sell him and Saliba and just keep Jackson. I wouldn't take a hit to sell him to Alvarez. But a bit like Sterling, if you've got the luxury and you're sick of him, then yeah, get rid of him. So after talking about Nicholas Jackson, I thought it'd be good to talk about Julian Alvarez. A lot of people thinking about making that move if they haven't done so already. And Alvarez actually went up in price last night, so he's now 6.9 million. And the question is, Alvarez is starting to feel like Sterling and Son, is he worth the hype? And I kind of get that. I feel like since game week five... He's been propelled to almost essential level. And how I mentioned with Jackson that people, the way he's being discussed at least, it makes it sound like he's never going to return. The way that Alvarez is being discussed is like that hat trick against Nottingham Forest at home is already locked in. Whereas the reality is probably somewhere in between. 
I do think overall he's a good pick, but I don't think he's so good that you've got to go out of your way to get him at all costs. So if you're looking at doing Jackson to Alvarez for a hit, I know the argument will be, well, over the long term, that will pay off. Maybe that'll be the case, but I don't know if it definitely pays off this week. So I think Alvarez in for free is fine. For a hit, I'm not quite so sure about that. In terms of the Sterling and Song comparison, I kind of get it because he has been talked about a little bit before this week but not as much as he is right now. The difference is, of course, Sterling got loads of points against Luton and then people talked about him. Same with Son. With Alvarez, he's been pretty consistent. Like, if we look at the minutes and stuff he's had so far, and I think I talked about this a little bit on team selection yesterday, he's played 90 for the first three game weeks, 89 against Fulham and 90 against West Ham. His minutes are great, and he's been more consistent. It's not like he's had one big haul and that's it. It's 5.7 points, two against Sheffield United. That was the week that people were looking at Jackson or Alvarez. So I was quite happy that I went for Jackson at that point. Since then, he smashed it. 14 against Fulham and then nine against West Ham. So I think it, when you kind of try and forget about the noise, forget about the hype from everyone and just kind of bring it back to basics, is Alvarez a good pick? The answer is yes and i've been pretty consistent with my thoughts on man city players i've avoided them for the most part outside of harlem because i'm always worried about minutes i just don't want that headache and especially in midfield with the likes of phone there's so many other options but i've always said when certain players from Man City and Liverpool get minutes, they're great picks. That's Alvarez, that's Foden, that's Diaz, that's Nunez, etc. And so if you think Alvarez starts are going to continue, then he is just a good pick. Whether or not you should do everything you can to get him in this week, it's a different conversation. Probably not. I wouldn't start taking hits for him. But if you've got a spare transfer, like I said, he's just an all-round decent pick. I think with the fixtures they've got coming up, that you could make a case that some of them on paper could be difficult, Arsenal away specifically. But I actually think outside of that, the fixtures are probably okay. Like Forest at home, good. Wolves at home, uh, Wolves away, not bad at all. Arsenal away, definitely tough. Brighton at home, look, Brighton are a good game. They'll definitely score, I would say, in that game. Uh, sorry, in that match against Man City. They'll also definitely concede, right? They haven't kept a clean sheet so far. So I think Man City definitely get at least two goals in that game, maybe even more. Man United away, look. Man United played a difficult team last night in the Champions League, Bayern Munich. They've conceded four goals. If they don't get that act together, Man City will score at least a couple in that game as well. And then you've got Bournemouth at home in game week 11. And for a six-game week period, you've got a Man City attacker for, right now at least, less than seven. So, yeah, I, look, I get the comparison to Sterling and Son. There is a lot of noise around him this week compared to other weeks, even though he started in every game week so far. But like I said, I think he is just a good pick. And sometimes you've got to forget about the noise. Like you could bring him in this week and he'll blank. It doesn't mean it was a bad decision. I'm strongly looking at him. Obviously, the other option is to ignore him and get Morris next week instead. I don't mind that. Like, would I rather have Morris in the double or Alvarez? I'd rather have Morris. But you're not going to want to keep him long term. Whereas if Alvarez keeps starting, you're probably fine. Uh, and obviously, they have got injury concerns and stuff like that at the moment. Bernardo Silva's out. I just think there's no chance Alvarez doesn't start against Forrest, to be honest with you. Um, so, yeah, just a good pick. Buy him if you want him. So there's a couple of questions about Newcastle players in this video. The first one is about Anthony Gordon. What are your opinions on Anthony Gordon taking up a midfield spot? Newcastle have good upcoming fixtures, and for 5.5 million, he lets me get Salah. Now, on an individual level, 
I think for that price, Anthony Gordon is one of the best options, and I actually quite like him. And as you've said, Newcastle fixtures coming up are pretty good. That's why a lot of us are looking at Newcastle defenders. So they've got Sheffield United away, Burnley at home, West Ham away, Palace at home, Wolves away. Newcastle will definitely score in pretty much all of those games. So I like the thinking. Just on the taking up a midfield spot, that obviously is similar to the conversation I had about James Ward-Prowse, where there's definitely five other midfielders that I would prefer instead. That is the same case with Gordon, but if you need an enabler to get Salah and you definitely want him, then you've got to look at making a sacrifice somewhere. So I don't mind it. I would say from looking at it for my own team, I would also need to go to someone like Gordon. But when people wildcard around game weeks 9 or 10 and they get Salah, they're going to spread the money around a little bit different. And I suspect that that, that enabler won't be someone like Gordon. It will probably be Eze or Diaby instead. So I think it really depends on when you're getting Salah and how you need to do it. I would prefer to have an Eze or Diaby. But right now, if the only way to get him is to get someone like Gordon, I think he's a pretty good pick. So far... His minutes have been decent. Obviously, he's played on that left side mostly. He played on the right against Brentford, and we'll talk about that in a second. He played 67 minutes against Villa, 55 against City, 71 against Liverpool, and then game weeks four and five, Brighton and Brentford, he played back-to-back -back 90 minutes. So that does look good. The only thing I would say is against Brentford, he played on the right instead of Barnes. Now, first thought is, well, he's first choice on the left, and if he's not going to play there, he's going to play on the right. That might be the case, but obviously Newcastle did make some changes in terms of not playing Isaac and played Wilson instead because of the Champions League. The problem for the Brentford match is Amron had just played two international games for 85 and 90 minutes, and he has been playing quite a lot. If we look at um, his minutes up until that last game... He started every single match. He played 57 against Brighton. He played eight, uh, 90 against Liverpool, 85 against City, and 85 against Villa. So there's no guarantee that if this happened again before a Champions League match, but it wasn't after international duty, maybe Amron still plays on the right, and maybe he gives Gordon a rest on the left, plays Barnes, and saves Gordon for the Champions League. So I think Gordon's minutes will be pretty good. I'm not expecting him to miss every other game or anything like that, but I don't think it would be a huge surprise if he missed like one every four or one every five or, or six, whatever it might be, right? I'm just saying he might miss the odd game. I don't think the fact that he played on the right versus Brentford is now an assurity that he's going to start every single game. But for that price, I think he's a pretty good option. And his underlying numbers, which I haven't checked, so hopefully while I'm recording this, I'll be right. I think they're okay. Like per 90 minutes, yeah, 0.23 expected goals per 90, 0.18. They're not too bad for that kind of price. But if I had the choice of him or one of my current five midfielders, there's no way I'd put Gordon in. So I guess the question is, how much do you want Salah? So for me, right, let's say I wanted to get rid of Son for Salah. I think, uh, let me just get rid of Newcastle. Let me put him in for Son. I'd have to free up 3.1 million. It'd probably be for Fernandez. I've actually only got, um, I've actually only got 5.3. Let's say I get rid of Saka, then I could get Gordon. So I could do what this person's talking about in the question. But then it's Saka and Son, or Salah and Gordon. I probably prefer the combination I've got. So just give that some thought. But for 5.5 million on an individual basis, he's probably going to be a pretty good pick. So question on price changes. At this stage of the season, does catching price rises make sense? Or should we wait for team news? Now, some of this is going to come down to what type of FPL manager you are, what your risk appetite is. But ultimately, having higher team value is generally better. So catching price rises where you can 
is a good thing. We want more money to spend because then we can buy more expensive players and generally they're the ones that are going to get us the points. Obviously, there are always some bargains throughout a season that do really well, but if you have the choice of high team value or low, you're always going to take high. So I would be on the lookout to try and catch price rises where you can. You've just got to weigh up that risk. I always say, if you are 100% certain that that is the move you want to do before the deadline and you can catch a price rise without too much risk or you're going to be priced out if you don't make the move and it's not just about this week it's also about future weeks if i don't get that price rise this week does that stop me doing a move next week all that thing all those things have to be taken into account then i would make the early move and it's just one of those things in fpl that if you do move early and there's no injuries happy days you look like a genius and there's going to be some weeks where you do move early and there's going to be an injury and you wish you hadn't done it that is kind of the risk you've got to weigh up on an individual basis like for me i haven't gone to jackson to alvarez yet even though there's a good chance i want to make that move because i'm not 100 certain if pochettino like i'm not expecting him to tell us whether chilwell starts but there might be something he says which makes me think okay chilwell's quite likely to start or maybe that he isn't and if chilwell's not starting then there's a good chance i'll make a double defender change and I'll probably keep Jackson instead and maybe think about Alvarez from game week seven or later, whatever it might be. Whereas if Chilwell's uh, going to start, then I might think, well, I'm going to keep him then for another week, maybe another two weeks after that. Therefore, I've got a spare transfer to do Jackson to Alvarez. So I haven't moved early, but I know a lot of people that were absolutely certain they're going to make that move and they've already done it. And most of them have done it after the Champions League game. So Alvarez has got no more matches. Chelsea aren't in Europe anyway. There's very little risk there. The only thing that can happen is one of them, obviously with Jackson, it doesn't matter, but Alvarez could get injured in training. What's the likelihood of that happening? It's quite low. So I don't, I'm not one of those people that will do moves on like a Saturday or Sunday. I do prefer to see all the games if I can. And on weeks like this where there are European matches, that is extra context to take into account. But if you're moving between two players that have no European games, then what's the threat that they might get injured in training? That might be worth taking a risk on moving early. Obviously, it's not just about the two players you're thinking about swapping. Because someone else in your squad could get injured. That could affect your transfer plans. But having extra money is beneficial. I haven't moved early once this season. And right now, it feels okay. But it might not in a few weeks when I'm trying to get Salah and Harden into the same team without making too many sacrifices elsewhere. So the narrative in the early part of the season, and I've said this myself, is money might not matter as much this season. But actually, it probably will because it usually does. So yeah, I think at any stage of the season, there are some merits in moving early. Like Even in like game week 35, right? At that point, you've built up a lot of team value. So maybe catching the rises isn't as important. But if there's a move you're going to be priced out of, then you could still move early, even though it's the end of the season. So you've just got to weigh up all those things and then make the decision. I know lots of good managers that hate moving early. And I know lots of good managers that will always try and catch those price changes. It just depends what kind of manager you are. I guess, ask yourself this. If you make a move early and that player gets injured, how frustrated are you going to be? If you can cope with that, because nine times out of ten you just earn an extra money, then just go for it. So our second Newcastle question, which Newcastle forward would you go for? And obviously the options are Wilson or Isaac. Can I choose neither? That would probably be my answer because I just don't feel like I want that headache of who's going to start every week. And I do think it's tough because the obvious answer that most people are going to go for is Callum Wilson. And I fully get it, right? Isaac started the last game of the Champions League. So Wilson will start on the weekend. Isaac plays midweek. Wilson plays on the weekend. Then Isaac is saved for the Champions League game against PSG at home on Wednesday, the 4th of October. That kind of sounds like it could make sense. 
But also that means that I'm saying to go for the forward that isn't first choice. I think it's pretty clear that Isaac is the first choice number nine for Newcastle. So doesn't that mean where possible Eddie Howe's going to play him? So if he is fit and available and he's had enough rest, would he not just choose him again? Possibly. And that is the problem. The, the, the honest answer is I just don't know which one is the best to go for. If you pushed me and I had to choose someone this week, I would probably go for Wilson. But I don't know what my confidence levels would be on him definitely starting and i don't think we're going to see Isaac on the left wilson up front that much this season it did happen um in the last game i think in the champions league they did do that for a little bit but i don't think we're going to see that very much given the options they've got for left and right wing like if you look at the newcastle fixtures i think i mentioned this on the transfer tips video a couple of weeks uh, a couple of days ago so Isaac played against ac milan wilson started against brentford then you've got the game against Sheffield United. So it makes sense that Wilson starts. But it's a Tuesday to Sunday turnaround. That's a lot of time. Isaac could easily start that game. And then the midweek game is Carabao Cup. So if Eddie Howe wants to prioritise the Premier League and the Champions League, surely that means your second choice striker, which is Wilson from everything we've seen so far. And don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that as in Wilson's miles behind Isaac because he's not, right? He's a great player. And when he does play, he'll get points. So I know why people are looking at him. But if he is second choice, maybe you then play him in the Carabao Cup or maybe Eddie Howe wants to take all competitions fully seriously so he lets Wilson play against she lets him that sounds a bit weird but he picks him for Sheffield United and then Isaac gets that tougher game against Man City that could happen so if you pushed me I'd probably go for Wilson but I think right now for my own team I'm probably looking at going for neither I, I, I understand it right the fixtures are so good it's just are they are they good enough to warrant that kind of slight risk of rotation? If I told you right now that Wilson would miss one, maybe two of the next four, would you still pick him? I think if you only miss one, people probably would pick him because he is that good and off the bench he's done well as well. And I completely get that. But just, I think when you think of it like that, he doesn't then become such a great pick. I guess with Isaac, the the same conversation applies like if he's going to start kind of three of the next four he probably is still a good pick but i just don't know if there's a guarantee of that what if they both start two each i just don't know and, and sometimes you've got to be honest uh, and just say that what i will say is if you're pretty certain that wilson's going to start all four of these which i think is very unlikely like he's act to miss the next four premier league games as first choice straight that just doesn't make any sense i think wilson's a better pick than alvarez Right, that's how good Wilson is when he plays. Plus, he would be on penalties. Right, He's first-choice penalty taker for Newcastle. Obviously, Alvarez is only likely to take penalties when Haaland's off the pitch. But that's a big jump to say that Wilson is better because I'm not sure he's going to start the next four. So, yeah, if you pushed me and I had to buy one, I'd probably go Wilson. But my real answer is I don't know who's the best and I would probably just ignore both. So a lot of people have been asking me, when should they wildcard? When am I thinking about wildcarding as well? So I thought I would just run through it. I'll give the completely cliche content creator answer first of all. It does, of course, depend on your team. There'll be some people that have got game week six squads where it definitely needs a wild card there'll be lots of people that don't you might have certain preferences on players you want to sell there might be players you want to bring in that might differ to my views etc you're going to have to look at your own team but i'm going to run through when i'm thinking about doing it just on the players you might want to sell versus players you might want to bring in for example i've got fernandez and rashford because they've got burnley away uh, palace at home brentford at home sheffield united away i'm kind of okay to keep them there's going to be a lot of you out there that want to sell them and that might be the kind of one of the reasons why you wildcard that's perfectly fine you can decide on that on an individual basis i think for most people if they don't go this week it's going to be eight nine or ten now the overall 
squad picks you make in any of those game weeks are going to be quite similar. There will always be certain picks that change because obviously if you pick someone in game week 8, you've got game weeks 8 and 9. If you pick someone in 10, you've missed those game weeks. So your choices might be slightly different, but that's going to be periphery players. The main core of your squad is probably going to be quite similar. So if you are getting close to really one to wildcard, you could go in 8 or 9 or 10. I'm leaning towards game week 10 because not only does that give me a couple of extra weeks to kind of think about it and stuff like that, it's also about what I can do before i wildcard as well so this is in the my team tool on fantasy football hub if you want to check that out links in the description below so this week right let's just i don't know for sure but right now i'd say i'm probably going to keep Chilwell, and i'm probably going to get alvarez in even though he's already gone up in price and i'll probably sell saliba to a newcastle defender maybe share but i'm just going to put botman in for now so that's my game week six team in game week seven i've only got one free transfer i don't think i really need to use one as long as chill out is still starting because everyone's fixtures are pretty good so game week seven i'd probably roll and game week eight is where it gets interesting so if i was to wild card of course i would put someone like salah in as well and i'd probably sell one of my man united maybe um maybe one of my arsenal maybe one of my spurs players but the thing is, Spurs have got good fixtures in game weeks 8 and 9. They've got Luton away and Fulham at home. So ideally, I would want them for those games, but I don't necessarily need them after that, right? So if we look at the fixtures after game weeks 8 and 9, they've got Palace away in game week 10, Chelsea at home game week 11, Wolves away game week 12. They're not awful fixtures by any stretch. Um, and if we look a little bit longer term than that, let's have a quick look here. It's Villa at home, Man City away, West Ham at home, Newcastle at home. They're not completely awful fixtures, but they're not going to be as needed for my team then as they are kind of for Luton away and Fulham at home. So in game week eight, Saka's got Man City at home. The week after, it's um, Chelsea away. Could he get returns in those two games? Absolutely. And if I was wildcarding in game week eight, would I keep Saka? I probably would, because from game week 10 onwards, Arsenal's fixtures are really good. But by, de by delaying that wildcard... I've got the opportunity to remove Saka and put in an extra Spurs player instead for that Luton away and Fulham at home game. So that would be my team for game week eight. I don't think I need any. Yeah, I don't think I need any other transfers because I can just play um, Udogi against Luton away, Botman against West Ham away, and hopefully Chilwell still against Burnley away. So I wouldn't need to necessarily make another transfer that week. Because I because I would be at that point trying to lock in the game week 10 wildcard, potentially I could get rid of Alvarez and go for a different punt on a forward because he's got Arsenal away, Brighton at home. But it wouldn't be a must-sell or anything like that. And then in game week 9, I think I've got two free transfers at this point. I've kind of lost count. Uh, Udogi's got Fulham at home. Botman's got Palace at home. They're fine. Man United players got Sheffield United away. I've got the two Spurs players for Fulham at home. And in Burmo's got Burnley at home. So I wouldn't have Salah for Everton at home, which isn't ideal. But I don't think any of those midfielders would be must-sell that week. And also, that would almost be like a slight differential in itself, going against Salah, which I don't usually like doing for such a good fixture. But I don't think it would be at the end of the world for that one. Uh, sorry, in game week nine. So I'd probably keep all those midfielders if they're fit and just look to use my transfers elsewhere. So getting rid of Chilwell, I could bring in like a Trent Alexander-Arnold if he's fit. I could swap my goalkeeper because Pickford's got Liverpool away. And then I would wildcard in game week 10. I'd probably get rid of all three Spurs players. Maybe I would keep Udogi on the bench for rotation purposes. But I almost certainly wouldn't keep Son and Madison because I would want Saka. And I think, yes, okay, Man United's fixtures... Um, Sorry, Man United players right now, people aren't looking at. 
But actually, their fixtures after game week 10, Man City at home, are pretty good. Like Fulham away, Luton at home, Everton away. If Rashford's showing some kind of form over the next few weeks, all of a sudden the conversation around him and Man United players will change. You'll look at those fixtures and you'll think, well, how can I not have Rashford for Fulham, Luton and Everton? So I think... On game week 10 wildcard right now, it'd probably be Salah, Rashford, and Saka. There's only two other spots, and one of them would have to be a cheap midfielder, and probably a second cheap midfielder as well. So like two of Diaby, Eze, Imbermo, etc. So there's not going to be any room for those Spurs players. So I kind of like the idea of dead ending into the wildcard. So making uh, changes like Saka to Madison, which I definitely wouldn't do if I wasn't wildcarding. There's potential upside there. And then I can just get a team in game week 10 that's similar to 8 and 9 anyway, plus a few changes on the kind of bench and stuff like that, because obviously I've missed those two previous weeks. So I'm looking at that. Whether or not there's a better opportunity later on, there might be. Like game week 18, for example, is a blank for Man City and Brentford. So you could possibly dead end into that, get rid of all your players from those teams, then wildcard them back in in game week 19. Man City will have probably a double game week between, I think it's game weeks 20 and 24. So that is an opportunity later on. But who, I mean, and then there's two ways you can look at it, right? If you don't need the wild card now, then absolutely save it. It might be great to have it. Or maybe you make the points now and just use transfers later on. No one can tell you definitively it's better to use it now or later. It's really going to be team dependent. I could probably get to a wild, uh, sorry, I could probably get to a team I'm happy with in game week 10 without a wild card. But I can't make those moves like Saka to Madison to get that extra bit of upside. I would have to be a bit more, I guess, conscious about the moves that I make. And it could be that Saka outscores him anyway, but it's the kind of punts that I would want to take. And I want to keep the Man United players for the good fixtures. And I kind of feel like I more want to do that because everyone's looking to get rid of them. I think there are goals in that Man United team. I don't necessarily think they're going to win all the games because defensively they're not looking great. But Rashford and Fernandes against Burnley, against Sheffield United, they're good fixtures. So that's what I'm kind of looking at. I'm starting to lean more towards game week 10. The, pre- the one thing I would say is preferably you do want to try and lock in when you're going to wildcard because that allows you to make slightly different transfers before. But I've got no issues with kind of keeping options open. That's what I've done the last couple of seasons. I've actually, I think in at least two of the last three seasons, I've wildcarded on the deadline pretty much because I just wasn't sure about whether I wanted to do it. But this year I am starting to w- uh, lean towards game week 10. So let me know in the comments below when you're thinking of wildcarding. I've got to leave that video there. Usually I try and include a few more questions and this is the most boring reason for, st- uh, for stopping the video. But I'm having a smart meter installed and so the electricity needs to be cut off i don't have a choice about this they're just doing it uh, and so if i leave uh, sorry if i put in any more stuff to this video by the time i finish recording my electric could be off and i won't be able to upload it so that is the genuine reason why i'm stopping there obviously if there's anything else super important press conferences and stuff like that i'll cover it in final thoughts anyway if you've enjoyed that video make sure to give it a like hit that subscribe button check out fantasy football hub links in the description below and if you listen on podcast make sure to rate five stars i'll catch you again tomorrow sports social podcast network